0: The Oscars are gonna be here soon, and with that for today's episode, we are gonna be focusing on one of the contenders for the Best Picture race. In fact, when this movie came out, the first two people who told me I had to see it immediately are the guests on today's show, which include my father Esmail Amit Hazur and Katherine Garber. I had a voicemail on my phone and I was told that I needed to see this movie right away. Christopher Nolan's biographical epic film Oppenheimer. Let's talk for a minute. for today's episode. I really appreciate this. We have Catherine Garber and we have my father, Esmail Amid Huzur, and we are talking about Oppenheimer. So, first of all, thank you both for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course. No,
2: I truly enjoyed the movie so much that I've seen it twice so far.
0: Kathy, I remember you were saying like see this one and I, you know, I'd love to like talk to you about it and you know, hear what you think about it. It's um yeah. it, it was one that that you enjoyed.
1: Very much. Both as a period piece and then as kind of a study of his personal torments along with what he had to face.
2: You, when I saw the movie and I made that expression, I already could predict it that they could get the highest number of Emmy Award. And I'm going to predict that he's going to win the highest number of Oscar Award.
0: So it won. It it was nominated for 13 Academy Awards. You think it's going to win all 13 of those?
2: I tell you what, if they don't, I think they should change all the voting system.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I'm definitely with you on that. I haven't always agreed. I think a lot of people haven't always agreed with how the Academy has, uh, has voted in the past, for sure. One thing that I, I like to do, just right out at the top, give our score out of 10. And then after mentioning the score, I want to get your feedback on like more details, like kind of fine tuning that score, you know, a little bit more. And I'll give mine last. I definitely want to hear from, you know, from you two, of course, first. Kathy, out of 10, what would you give Oppenheimer?
1: I would give it a 10.
0: Okay. And well, what would you give Oppenheimer?
2: If there is such a thing, I want to give 11 out of
0: 10. Wow, Christopher Nolan, I hope you're listening, man. <laughs> also, a 10 out of 10 for me, at least. I really liked this film. Now, I, okay, I have a couple of questions kind of breaking down some of the the pros. And then if there are cons, I mean, you know, again, we can go into that too. But uh, considering our scores, I'm going to be very curious to see like what cons uh, we can come up with. For the pros, Kathy, when you think about the movie now, what are some things that kind of stand out that make it memorable for you?
1: Well. Although I've heard a lot of criticism of the length of the last part, the hearings, the two hearings, I thought those were essential because it showed the frustration. You know, he, he had no chance to prevail at the one for his security clearance. It was already decided politically. And the fact that he was um, had negatives against him, like past, not even association with communism, but checking it out early in his life at the time when he was seeking intellectually, you know, when he was young and he first met all the people that became influenced. And puts his on him later. So I, I thought the last part was really important, although it was long, but I thought it, it needed to be that long to do justice to the frustrations of the hearing.
0: It reminded me of like people saying also that like it felt like it was two movies in one, the development of the of the weapon and then the hearings and the trial part of it. But I, And some people complained about that, but I, I loved it. I, I felt it added something to the movie. It uh, made it very unique.
2: You know, you guys, to touch base on it. To me, any movie of beyond two hours, It becomes difficult to see. But the beauty of this movie, that from the beginning to the end, including development of the bomb, and then later on for his security clearances, it was so spontaneous and so connected that I literally felt the whole movie was less than half an hour. That tells me, number one, was well-defined, and it was execution of it was superb. So how do I define it? I think I felt, especially second time when I saw it, that why and how? the director had to show from the beginning to the end to bring the whole story to the audience.
0: I'm definitely with you both you know, on these points. Two things with this movie for me. One is the pacing. It really is incredible that you have a movie that is, as we said, three hours in length, and then it seems like none of us looked at our watches during this movie. I, I think because if you get a movie that's more than two and a half hours and you get people who are not looking at their watches, that's really an incredible feat, one, the In fact, it's a very talk heavy movie. That's another incredible thing that like keeps you engaged despite the fact it's a very talk heavy movie. And then the other thing is that this is one of those movies where I don't feel like any cast member was wasted whether they had a large role and a lot of screen time or a very little bit of screen time, everyone was used wonderfully. I'm glad that Killian Murphy's getting a lot of attention for, you know, like Best Actor, Downey Jr., you know, for Supporting Actor. I do think, though, that there's uh, one actor in the movie that it's Kind of a shame that this person is not getting more praise and attention. And that would be Emily Blunt. I thought she was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Again, everyone in this cast w- was terrific. But her scenes, especially when they're in that testimony part of the movie, yeah. she she was so great. I wanted to ask you both, what did you all think of the music?
2: It's funny that you say that. One of the things that it really kept me tuned into the screen was the music. It was so beautifully done that not only reflected the intensity of moment, but it was so right for the spot where there was a drop in the bomb and then or intensifying excitement during celebration. It was superb.
0: This composer, Ludwig Gorenson, several times now that uh, him and Christopher Nolan, director Christopher Nolan, have worked together. And I think that they make a good team. But Gorenson, even when not working on Nolan movies, he's becoming this amazing composer that just I think every director now wants to work with. He did the Black Panther scores as well. And he also did the first two Rocky spin-off movies, Creed 1 and Creed 2. I really do hope that he gets the Oscar.
2: You know how much I love music and soundtrack. Yeah, Please do let me know whatever this guy has put the music on. It looks like it, he knows what he's doing.
0: And to, to listeners out there, just uh, one thing you've heard me say on several episodes is that I am obsessed with soundtracks. I think you, you now know where, where I get that from. <laughs> I mean, just uh, <laughs> it's uh, no, seriously. Like, and I mean that, you know, music plays such an important role, whether it's the inclusion of it or even sometimes the lack of it, sometimes that serves a purpose too. But here, like that the-
1: moment of silence in the movie,
0: right? Like when he's going up to the stage as people are clapping for him, do you mean, or, or which moment are you referring to?
1: So I get-
2: right after drop the bomb, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's one I'm remembering where you just there's a void
2: sort of you yeah. know in my opinion music it sort of redefine or brings life to the scene that director wanted to show to the audience to the viewer
0: music is a truly a spirit of any picture i i'm, I'm with you on that 110 percent, absolutely like it, to me is one of the most memorable parts of, of this movie for sure now i have another question too so this movie was very successful it made just under $1 billion at the box office. I'm curious if you think that the movie would have been as successful if two things were different, not about the movie itself, but about the release of the movie. If this movie came out at another time besides summer, that's the first condition change. And the second condition change is that if it wasn't coupled with Barbie for the event that became Barbenheimer and all the promotional material and events promoting that went up to the release of these two movies, do you think it would have been as successful?
2: I think in my opinion Agbadar not only would it have been as successful probably more successful if it had not been concurrently with because release of the audience there are some overlap and definitely publicity of one undermines the other one so i my own personal opinion is had it not been concurrently it would have had much more ticket sale than what
0: it sold okay And Kathy, uh, what about you? Do you feel that it would have been any different?
1: I think both of them are standalone movies and they're both such different audiences. I personally saw both, but for different reasons. So yes, I think that it would have been as successful on its own. The summer release helped, I'm sure.
2: Here, I wanted to say... Not as successful. I want to say it would have been more successful had it come on his own life. Now, the reason is some people, they may want to go to see a movie. Now, since they were released at the same time, they probably made a choice. Like me, I made the choice when to see Oppenheimer and I didn't see Barbie. And there are some people that see Barbie and do not. But in my personal judgment, Oppenheimer, because of his subject, because of his Word of mouth of execution as well as the music and other topic. It could have had much higher ticket sale than what they did.
0: Okay. Now, I feel that the summer release date and the coupling with Barbie played a very big role. And the reason why is because, not necessarily because of the movies themselves, actually. I think it was that last year, even though, you know, we're talking about the summer of 2023, it's three years after COVID and the lockdown started, the industry is still recovering from the effects of COVID. And audiences are still slowly trickling back to theaters. And I think an event like this was used to hype up just the movie going experience. So I do think the individual films on their own were both excellent and yes, for different reasons and perhaps for different audiences, but I do think that it was an opportunity that was created and seized. I commend Warner Brothers and Universal for a momentary truce and uh, also the theater (laughs) companies for a momentary truce and just focusing on trying to save the industry. I still think the industry in a lot of ways is unfortunately shrinking, but this was definitely an outlier event. It definitely made the year for all parties involved.
2: It's interesting. No wonder you're such a smart marketing man. <laughs> now I realize to have them together probably did a good job. <laughs> I, um, my, my hat, my, I bow to you. That's true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's kind of you to say that. I appreciate it. But, but I really think also that there was a, I don't know, I, maybe I, this is wishful thinking on my part, but I think people missed going back to the theaters. And if you could make an event out of it you know what I mean? And you had this, this two-parter event, then people would be uh, ready and willing. Also, I do feel like that the materials that were put out to promote the movies and the event, they made people aware and ready that like, okay, you're seeing two very different movies. You know, one's going to be very serious and very intense and it's a it's a long movie. The other one is lighter, but it's also social commentary. It's also a satire. I felt like, you went into it knowing what to expect, which made it a lot more of a satisfying experience.
2: I think your comment is so correct. You should send it to all the CEO of the movie (laughs) industry.
0: I appreciate that. And I'm going to be very curious to see after all of this, by the way, like if Christopher Nolan goes back to working with Warner Brothers, they worked with him. I mean, he worked with them for most of his career. They gave him his career in a lot of ways. But when Tenet came out, what happened was it was right when the lockdowns were in place. HBO and Warner Brothers were releasing movies at the same time, like on TV and in the theater at the same time. Directors hated that. And Nolan really hated that and refused to do that and also wouldn't even be willing to push his release date. Um, for Tenet. Tenant didn't do well at the box office. Nolan still hated this decision that HBO and Warner Brothers made for other directors and their films to be released day and date. So he said, okay, for the next movie, I'm not working with you guys. And then he developed Oppenheimer, Universal, gave him a $100 million budget carte blanche to do whatever he wants as long as he stays within that budget. And then now he's probably going to get all these uh, Oscars well deserved for sure. But I think if he wins Best Director and or Best Picture, he's never coming back to Warner Brothers. I'm going to be... Uh, very curious to see what happens there. For the cons though, if you had to imagine what some of those reasons were that people wouldn't like the movie, what would you say those reasons are?
1: I think for me the only negative I can think First of all I thought the casting was pretty much perfect, but um Some of the smaller characters, not smaller in the story, but smaller in the movie, like Edward Teller, people like that, I would have appreciated a little more background on who they were. I mean, they were hugely important in the history and the story, but you had to sort of know who they were to understand their importance, especially at the hearings when people's loyalties wavered and changed.
2: You know, I already see lots of people, they criticize being too long. To me, the way even though What Cathy indicated, some of this could be explained. I don't consider it as a con, because then it would have been probably much longer. I really think there is minimum, if any, the only thing that I would have said, clarity of some of the pictures and the stories. For instance, during testimony or during the college days, bringing those together, I could see the spontaneity that it was really turned me on to, or hooked me to the screen, but at the same time, obviously, I missed some of the point because it was not explained as Cathy indicated.
0: I would say, yeah, I could imagine that maybe three hours, even with a great movie, could be a challenge for viewers. I would hear people say that part of like where it felt like two movies put into one where, you, again, the development of the weapon and then the you know consequences and testimony and court side of it. I think that also is kind of like a subjective thing. I, I still felt it worked just because, again, the, this movie had this intensity this whole time that, that I, I really love. But I, I get that might not be for everyone. Some people might say, OK, it's a it might push this message of the military industrial complex. I think the whole point of the movie is to show that Oppenheimer afterwards was like, okay, what have we done? You know, now we have, we've started this new age and it's a kind of a horrifying idea.
1: Yeah, I agree. He even said, I have blood on my hands now when he saw how effective it was, but then no one would listen to him. I mean, I remember the part where Truman said, get this cry, don't let this crybaby come back again.
0: And again, Gary Oldman, only in there for like a few minutes, uh, just (laughs) wonderfully done, yeah. Or, you know, how Oppenheimer and Einstein talk at the beginning and end, the same thing. Like, I feel now we've what have we started and and all of that? So. I don't know whether you to consider it as a con.
2: In anything that is developed, it has positive impact from electricity to atomic bomb to vaccine. It has positive impact and negative impact. It's really up to policy-maker, decision-maker at the time to hopefully use a better judgment. Yes, atomic bomb and the way that it was treated, it was a con as Einstein and Robert Oppenheimer, they reflected on. But that's reality. That has been ever since from the birth of the mankind. Decision or creation, invention, it has two implications, positive and negative.
1: But the personal bravery of him um, going ahead with the project when he had such doubts, and even Einstein, and he agreed that there was no way to predict the outcome. The best they could say was near zero, <laughs> and that would just have to be good enough. But he took pride in doing it, and he took pride in doing it right and before the Germans. So, you know, he threw himself into it.
2: And further, you know, I know... The Hiroshima and Nagasaki disaster had made a permanent impact. But don't forget creation of Atom and it has helped so many patients in Medical field. So therefore, we have we have never talked about that. I believe that if it really put the accumulation of positive impact of this invention has been phenomenal. Yes, it had those negative and disastrous, and God forbid, it still is an open
0: case. I want to get back to something, Kathy, you had, you had mentioned there was a line of uh, near zero and there was Oppenheimer, but also the character played by um, Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. And and I just got to say 2023 was a great year for Matt Damon. Uh, he, he had both movies Air and then Oppenheimer, two absolutely fantastic movies. Yeah, what a year for that guy. It's got to throw that out. One more positive as well, this movie, another unsung hero of this movie is a crew member named Jennifer Lame. She is the editor of the movie, and I think the editing absolutely added to the pace of this movie. It brought a whole different energy. I don't know how many times I've watched this movie already. I have kind of a complex outlook on director Christopher Nolan. As a person, maybe don't have a very high opinion of him, but as a director, he is very talented. There is absolutely no denying that.
2: You know, when I had seen his interview with the BBC reporter, I had the same impression. I frankly, I thought he was too arrogant. Then after I saw the movie now twice, I feel he will deserve it to be arrogant because he really showed production and creation of something which I believe, again, I may have become biased of it. It's outstanding. And I now can see why often some do you say a movie that you like, you want to see several times? I think *Oppenheimer* is going to be the one. I'm probably going to see it five or six times.
0: So now I just want to double check: Are we each holding up the same scores that we said at the beginning? Can I
2: go higher than 11 <laughs> out of 10?
0: <laughs> Christopher Nolan, I hope you're listening, man. I'm telling you, that's really that. That's a strong, strong endorsement. Kathy, what, what about you?
1: I still give it a 10.
0: Give it a 10, yeah. And I, I also, I still stand by by at least 10, for sure. You know, your explanation of why having Barbie and
2: Apiname together had helped audience to come to theater. Now, I, appreciating your clarification, you remember I was reluctant to go to theater after COVID. Now, it's truly, it was the forces of the beauty of a movie like that and the audience getting up the barbie, probably, this is exactly what I mean, even it persuades me to go to theater to see it more often too.
0: Excellent. And that, to me, is mission accomplished right there. I hope that, that trend continues. Now, I'm going to mention a few of the nominations. And I just want to see if you think they're a lock win or you think if they have some challenges to them. For the soundtrack, Ludwig Goranson, do you think he has it or do you think that there'll be any competition for him?
2: I think competition, the better to it the talent. Kathy?
1: I agree. I thought it was really good. I haven't seen all of the um, other movies, but yes, I thought it was wonderful.
0: I definitely think that he has that too. I, I think, uh, and I hope also I should say that, that it goes to him. And then editing. These first two, I want us to start like, with uh, technical, then I'm going to get to the uh, acting, directing, and best picture. But for editing, you have Jennifer Lame. What about for her? Do you think it's a lock or do you think that she has maybe some competition?
1: Well, I don't feel qualified to say. I I did see Killers of the Flower Moon, and I thought that technically that was great also.
2: Honestly, I feel the same way. I have no qualification to see what is being deducted or added or corrected. So it would be very unfair. The fact that such a complex story, and as long as some people, they thought, which I don't think it was that long, or at least I didn't feel, then maybe the editing is very, way, way up, whether it's 10 out of 10 or 7 or 8, definitely is high. Good remark.
1: And also at the beginning, when they're setting the scene of the intellectual and creative environment that he was operating in as a young man, you know, the collage almost of meetings and the segment where he poisons the apple of his professor just to show how impulsive he was. I think that might have been, without my realizing it, good editing because I just have this picture in my mind of a collage of images that made me understand him better.
0: I was thinking at first that when I heard that the movie Killers of a Flower Moon was going to come out, and that again, it was Thelma Schoonmaker, who's the editor who always works with Scorsese. Uh, uh, She's a legend. She's won several times, and she is a phenomenal editor and collaborator. But I also think that this time it's not a lock for Thelma Schoonmaker. I think that Jennifer Lame, for the exactly the reasons you all were already saying, I feel like we don't, we don't mind, again, the length and the unique qualities of this movie because of the pacing. The pacing just through the editing was terrific. I think that Jennifer Lame has that Oscar. Now, I want to combine the acting awards. So we have Best Actor, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, Supporting Actor for Robert Downey Jr. as uh, Strauss, and then for Supporting Actress, you have also Emily Blunt. Do you think that they all have their awards locked or is there competition for any of them?
2: I feel Strauss was really super. That complexity of his role from the days of among scientists, and so is Robert Oppenheimer. I can't tell about her to context with the other actresses.
1: I think all three that you mentioned were fantastic, but I would not say they had a lock. There's some pretty stiff competition out there among the movies I have seen.
0: I think that Robert Downey Jr. for Strauss has the highest likelihood. I hope he gets it. I have a feeling that because he seems like the front runner right now, that there's going to be definitely haters that are going to come forward in the academy and they're just going to want to hate on that win because it seems like it's... it's, it's <laughs> yeah, because it seems like already like where they're treating it like an election, like, oh, they're the front runner. They feel entitled. No, no, they're the front runner. He's a front runner because he deserves it. Like it just... Yeah. He yeah he earned it. Yeah, exactly. He, he earned it. But the other two, Emma, Emily Blunt and Killian Murphy, I think, again, they were both phenomenal, but the competition is there for them. It's already showing in some of the Oscar betting already, like for supporting actress, the actress Divine Joy in The Holdovers. Actually, for Supporting Actress and Best Actor, the challenges both come from the movie The Holdovers. Divine Joy seems like right now she's the front runner for Supporting Actress. And then for Best Actor, I would be happy seeing Killian Murphy getting it, playing Robert Oppenheimer. But I would be equally as happy to see Paul Giamatti win it for The Holdovers. If you two have not seen that movie, I strongly recommend it. That one is um, streaming on Peacock already, I think, and available to rent and buy. I
2: know you have a. Unspoken bias about
0: Giramarty. <laughs> I I I'm a big fan of Giamatti, absolutely. And <laughs> and it 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 goes a long way for him when he shows a picture after he wins his Emmy Award, the first place he goes to in LA is to In N Out Burger. And then for Best Picture. Best Picture, I really do think it's gonna be Oppenheimer. I sorry, I, I jump with with my bias. No,
2: this time. I agree with you. One hundred percent among the movies I've seen, he's way up there. Kathy, what do you think?
1: Well, same answer. I think it was fantastic and would be great if it won, but it does have competitors that are worthy, in my opinion.
0: The other film that right now, I think the next best film, actually, sorry, not the next best film. Oppenheimer is a great movie. You've heard me like sing its praises right now, but a movie I actually liked even more, believe it or not, was Anatomy of a Fall. But I think Anatomy of a Fall, as we get closer to March 10th, the Academy Award date, I'm going to be curious to see if it's pulling increases in its favor. We'll see. I haven't seen it yet. I don't think there's any other movie. I know people might say Barbie or The Holdovers, actually, especially The Holdovers, and maybe, but I still think the really cool job that Anatomy of a Fall did with storytelling is some next level stuff. Kathy... Boa, I appreciate both of you taking the time today to, to talk about this hit movie that we loved from last year. It'll be interesting seeing how this shapes up as we get closer to the Academy Awards.
2: This has been fun. In fact, rekindled by excitement of going to see more movies.
0: <laughs> I love hearing that. I absolutely do. We have to do this again for sure. We'll have more opportunities to do more of this soon. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: Thank you, Sora.
0: I want to thank my father and Kathy for joining on the episode today. We're talking about the Oscar best picture frontrunner Oppenheimer. This movie is truly remarkable. It is amazing that a movie that is three hours long, that is very talk heavy, and being about a very, very controversial topic, still having it being a reviews and box office smash. This movie will be streaming on Peacock starting Friday, February 16th. It is available to rent and stream now on all platforms. I do hope you check it out, let me know what you think, and thank you for listening.